So what would you call someone who constantly tore you down, cast fear upon you, and told you that you weren't enough? I'd call that person an enemy. Jesus called it the world. We have enemies. And in the Word of God, Jesus tells us that there are different strategies utilized at different times to fight the different enemies that we have. Sometimes we swing, but it's not our own might that we swing. It's the sword of the Spirit. Sometimes we stand. And the Bible does talk about when you've done all you can do to stand, you stand some more. You keep standing. But it also says we stand in faith. So we take that that shield of faith and we stand confident and patient and secure there. Sometimes we sing, sometimes we shout, sometimes we praise. Sometimes we run. You know, it's funny because, you know, a lot of times when, you know, women's ministry, they'll have retreats. You know, men's ministry, they have advances because they're like, we don't retreat, we advance. But did you know that a retreat is actually a legitimate, strategic call? Sometimes you retreat to regather, to refocus, to wait on reinforcements, and then you move. So retreat, retreat is strategic. Sometimes we run. And there's sometimes that our strategy to victory is to think. So the Bible points out three enemies that we have. We're going to talk about one of them today. So the Bible points out the world, the flesh, the devil. And Dr. Carl I. Payne, author of Spiritual Warfare, he says that we should look as these three, as absolute thirds in the pie chart of spiritual warfare. So there we have devil, flesh, world. Why treat these as equal thirds? Plain and simple, we never underestimate an enemy. We never take lightly an enemy. As followers of Jesus, we are to be equipped so that we can recognize what enemy that we're up against in every situation. As followers of Christ, we should respond with God's strategy and the appropriate weapon to beat that enemy. And as followers of Jesus, we should win more than we lose. But the honest truth is, there's times we get sucker punched. There's times that that the fiery darts of the enemy make it past our shield of faith. I mean, there's t- we don't we're not going to win every battle. We're just not. But as believers, we should win more than we lose. And as believers, when we lose, we should run to Jesus, our healer. We should have a plan in place to remove the poison that when those darts make it past. And to let the Holy Spirit bring healing. If we don't recognize our enemy in the various battles we face, then we get beat up and we get disheartened and we give up and our soul becomes wounded. And our soul becomes heavy. And this is exactly what our enemy, the devil, wants. And at times, this is exactly what happens again and again, and our soul bears the brunt of it.
as Christians, we have got to grow to the place where we recognize which enemy we're fighting or which combination of enemies we're fighting. And then we prepare and we fight accordingly. Does that make sense? If I know that I am fighting someone bigger and stronger than me, I'm going to prepare much, much differently than if I know I am fighting someone smaller and faster and quicker than me. You know, think about, you know, wrestling. If I know I'm fighting a sumo wrestler, it's going to turn out bad for me. I mean, but I'm going to prepare for him a whole lot different than like a, a Gracie, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu kind of quick, fast fighter that just wants to, you know, take me down quick. You guys, if we've trusted our lives in Jesus Christ, then Jesus says we are a child of God. We are a son of God. Galatians 3.26 says, For in Christ Jesus, once again, we talked about this a few weeks ago, in Christ you are all sons of God through faith. Romans 8.14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. As a, as a son of God, our enemies should look at us and see who? As a son of God, when my enemies look at me, they shouldn't see me. They should see God. You know, we've talked a lot lately about, about pulling things into the light, about living our lives in the light. And when we live our lives in the light, the enemy, our enemies don't see Mark. They see Mark, son of God. They see Mark, Christian, one who is as Christ. See, when I live my life in the shadows, when I live my life in the dark places, I don't look like the light. Jesus is the light. When I live my life in the shadows and in the dark places, the devil looks at me, he sees me, and guess what? He doesn't fear me. Because me by myself, I am not fearful. In and of my own strength, in and of my own abilities, I'm just not, not in spiritual warfare, not in battling the enemies that we have. But when I'm in the light, when I live my life in the light, submitted to Jesus Christ, listening to Him, walking with Him, obedient to Him, the enemy looks, he sees Jesus, and he fears Jesus. I don't need him to fear me. Friends, you don't need him to fear you. So here's the key. Walk intentionally in the light with Jesus, with strong souls. When we distance ourselves from Jesus, we are vulnerable. When we distance ourselves from Jesus, we are, we are targets. When we distance ourselves with Jesus, we could become prey. We are prey. He always looks for the one that, that lags behind that he can devour. The one who separates themselves from the pack, from the herd. So guys, here's the honest truth. We are in a fight. And we just have to recognize it. But greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. 
So today I want to talk about walking in victory. I want to talk about walking in a place where we set our souls up to be strong and to be whole and to win more than we lose. And I want to look at the first of our enemies, the world. There's a word that's used for the world, and it's the word cosmos, K-O-S-M-O-S, cosmos. And it's, it has different synonyms. It doesn't just have one meaning. So cosmos, that word for the world, means people as its primary definition. Then it means created order as an equal primary def- definition, created order, meaning the earth. And then a system of organized rebellion against God. Once again, as a primary definition of this word. So how do we know which word is being used for which application? So let's do a little, let's have a little guessing game here. Okay? I'm going to read this first passage from John 3.16. And you tell me if you think this is talking about the world as people, the world as created order, or the world as rebellion against God. Okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but has eternal life. So for God so loves the world. Am I talking about created, you know, the created um, order, people, or rebellion against God? People. For God so loved people that he gave his only son. That's correct. Okay. And we, we have, now that one's out of the equation. Okay, so now the next question only has two possible answers. All right, Acts 17.24. I'm not trying to trick you, I promise. Acts 17.24. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. So is this talking about created order or system of organized rebellion against God? Created order. God who made the world. God who made everything we see. The earth, the planets, the solar system, the trees everything. Okay. Now, I'm not trying to be mean, but if you can't get the last one right, okay, especially after you already know that I'm eliminating the answers. Last one, J4-4. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. What does that word world mean here? Rebellion against God. The system of rebellion against God. It's not talking about people. It's not saying whoever, um, that friendship with people is, is contention with God. And then whoever wishes to be a friend of people makes himself an enemy of God. That's not what it's saying. So we've got to be able to discern when we're reading these, which of those words does it mean? So turning your Bibles to 1 John 2, turning your Bible apps to 1 John 2, whatever you have, this is going to be my, my core scriptural context. And I'm going to read that in just a second, but for now, I want to I want to talk a little bit about the world. I want to identify some of the things that maybe we've just taken for granted. So what is the world? What is the world's system of rebellion against God. You guys, we might not realize it because we're so inundated in it. But we live in such a a super sexualized 
world. And it's, it's a lie straight from the devil. And I then you can go to the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 10s, whatever. I mean, it, you can turn on, you know, pop radio at any point and you're going to hear a song that you'd go, oh, that's not appropriate. I get it. It's just even more so now. It, it just, it's right there in our faces. And the message that the world, that this system of rebellion is, is sending is this is what satisfies. This is what will make you whole. This will make you valuable. This will make you special. That's a lie. That's a lie. You look at billboards. You look at commercials. I I had a marketing firm for, for a decade and every form of advertising at some level, okay? Every form it's, it's, it, it preys on emotions. And the most, the most common emotion to prey on in advertising is fear. It's fear-based. Choosy moms choose Jif, and crummy moms choose every other peanut butter. You choose Peter Pan, you're a bad mom. You're a good mom, well, if you want to be a good mom, buy Tide. Because then your kids won't smell like, you know, they, they won't stink. Uh, you want to be, you want to be uh, considered beautiful? Then it's this gym membership. It's this product. You're 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 hopeless and you don't have hope. Well, then it's this dating app. We look at at movies and and I I'm a movie guy. I, I do. I enjoy movies. And there's times I walk out of a movie going, man, I feel like dirt. I just feel horrible. I have no hope. The message that was just cast at me was was just devoid of hope. That's that's a message from the world. There, there's no point in There's no point. You might as well just give up. You might as well just quit. You might as well just cash in. I mean, I saw a movie and I liked the majority of the movie and, you know, it was a best picture and I won't say the name of the movie in case you haven't seen it and, you know, but in the end, like like one of the main characters commits suicide because he's manipulated and he's he's been some things and then his wife is just beside herself and the movie ends. It's like, I guess everyone's unhappy. I guess, you know, there's no hope for anybody. And I'm like, oh my gosh. People are like, oh, didn't you love that movie? I'm like, no, I didn't. I felt like, I felt horrible when I left the theater. The message that the world has constantly given us is you're not enough. You don't make enough. You don't look pretty enough or handsome enough or fit enough. You're not cool enough. Your car's too old. Need a bigger house. I mean, a lot of the music culture we listen to, it's all about things that we know as believers don't satisfy. Money doesn't satisfy. You know, having, you know, you know, for guys having, you know, you know, a ton of women that doesn't satisfy. So when I'm talking about the world, I'm talking about this message of deception that comes against us. And, and it's, it doesn't rest. First John two fifteen through 17 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. 
And we're talking about this system of rebellion against God. Do not love the world or the things in this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh... So now there's three things that's going to be highlighted here. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh or the lusts of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, these things in the world are not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So that, that piece of the pie, that, that one-third piece of the pie that's the world, we can now subdivide that into those three things. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. So let's look at this first one. What is the desires of the flesh? What is the lust of the flesh? So the first thing I, I want to just make clear when we're talking about these things, we're talking about an external solicitation. We want to know if, what enemy we're against. This is an external solicitation. This is not something from within us. Okay? This is not some voice inside that we're hearing. This is, this is an external solicitation to sell us on something. And remember, we're, we're talking about the context of opposition from the world. That external solicitation is designed to trigger a physical or a mental or an emotional response in your soul, in your mind, and in your emotions. It's meant to trigger a physiological response, an emotional response, a physical response, a mental response. You ever popped on a song and you were doing good until you popped on that song and the next thing you know, you were depressed. Here recently, Kara was telling me, she's like, Mark, I was having a good day. I was walking in victory. And and I turned on music and it was, you know, just pop radio or whatever. Next thing, she's like, I felt anxiety. I felt, I felt nervous. I, she said, I felt anxious. And she sat there and she took inventory. She said, what changed? What changed? I'm still at work. I'm still doing the same thing I was doing. I hadn't moved my seat. I, and she took inventory and said, she said, what changed? And she's like, the only thing that changed was she turned on um, secular music. And we're not like, like teetotalers, like where we're saying only Christian music, okay? But I'm talking about, we got to guard, we got to keep our hearts tender before the Lord. We got to guard our hearts. And so she turned off that music and the anxiety left. Friends, there's times we, we turn on music and it and next thing you know we're angry we turn on music and next thing we know we are sad we turn on music and next thing you know we are despondent and depressed and beside ourselves why because this is the desires of the flesh this is this is an attack from the world it's called the lust of the flesh and it's meant to evoke a physiological response it's meant to hit us mentally or emotionally it is supposed to come against our soul Billboards, movies, TV shows, musical lyrics, and media advertisements all represent avenues through which sin can externally solicit us through the lust of the flesh. 
That's the only reason there's a billboard of a half-naked lady eating a sloppy cheeseburger next to a big red truck. It's not a pile of cash. That is meant to elicit some sort of physiological response. That's the only reason it's there. Some of our battles with these urges are obvious, but some are more subtle. But here's the key, guys. We can't let these solicitations control us. Young people, even the little ones, Logan, Sammy, when we walk in the Spirit, we give control, we give reign, we give right, right of way to the Holy Spirit. When we walk according to these desires of the flesh, where are we given that same control or influence or power to? When the lust of the flesh controls me, the Holy Spirit no longer has that place to control us. I talked about that before, that that's now that big voice we're listening to when we allow the lust of the flesh to control us. So Galatians 5, 19 through 23, it lists, it partially lists, I mean, not everything, but it lists the fruit of the evidence of a life that where the, the desires of the lust of the flesh control, and that's in verses 19 through 21, and then the life that the Spirit controls, that's verses 22 and 23. So let's read that. Galatians 5, 19 through 23. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let me tell you right now, those things right now, I'm just, let me just be as plain as can be. If those things, if involved in those things right now, then, then we are not, we are not aware of the presence of the Lord because we've stepped into those dark places. The benefits that come with walking as a child of God, walking in the kingdom of God, we're not experiencing those because we're choosing to be in the dark. We're choosing to be under oppression. We are choosing that. This enemy, and, and I don't want us to blame the devil for everything. Okay? We're not going to sit there and blame the devil for everything. There was, we had the, the opportunity to turn the station. The devil didn't overpower my hand and make me turn it to that station. We chose that. The enemy is the world. It's the world system of rebellion against God. If there's a song, young people, please hear me. If there's a song that tells you that there is no hope, then turn the channel. Turn the channel. And get, get mad. Get mad because that was an enemy coming against you who thinks you're a chump. Turn the channel. Adults, if you turn on a TV show, or a movie where immediately you're like, man, this is full of witchcraft. This is full of the occult. You know, this is the kind of scary movie I signed up to see. I thought a wolf, a wolf man would be jumping out and now there's all demonic. You better turn the station. You better walk away. You better turn the knob. 
The Bible commands, let's go to verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, the very next verse, the fruit of the Spirit is love. That sounds nice. Joy. I could use some of that. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those things are the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible commands us to walk filled by the Spirit and to refuse to give mastery, to refuse to give control to anyone or anything except Jesus Christ. If you guys know me, you know that like, I, I use the phrase teetotaler and kids are like, I have no idea what that means. If, if, if you know me, you know that, that I, I have diverse musical tastes. Uh, there's times I could listen to country or there's times it could be pop. The majority of music I listen to is Christian, but the majority of the time that the radio is on, I, I'd rather hear words. I'd rather hear someone talking. That's just, I, I like talk radio. Whether it's Christian or sports or... I, I just do. So I'm not sitting there saying I, you know, only watch, you know, Christian movies and only watch, um, you know, Christian TV shows. Like, I guess that would be the Hallmark Channel. I don't know. Um, I only listen to Christian music and I only eat Christian food, which I guess would be Chick-fil-A, which means today we're out of luck. So I don't know. So, but we've got to choose. We've got to choose where we surrender mastery. And we got to make sure it's Jesus as the one that we're surrendering to. Number two, number one was the lust of the flesh or the desires of the flesh. Number two, the lust of the eyes. And once this is an external solicitation that's designed to trigger an ungodly response, okay? But in this case, this case it's greed, usually, or selfishness or covetousness in regard to something beautiful. So what's the difference between lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes? The lust of the eyes focuses squarely upon our desire to have beautiful things which we believe we must have in order to be happy. We must have these in order to be happy. You know, there's times in my life, and, and it's and usually it's pretty dang obvious. There's times where, like, I've been down. I've just, you know, just been down. And I thought, oh, being surrounded by friends. And I'm, I'm talking about, like, I'm, like, so, and I thought, oh, being surrounded by friends would be, that's what would lift my spirit. That's what would make me happy. That's what would bring me happiness. So we... You know, you have a Super Bowl party or, you know, a birthday weekend night or you just, you know, have people over, you know, to, to watch a cool movie and or eat a good meal or something. And then when the event is over, you're like, no, that didn't do it. Anybody ever had that before? See, when we're down, the lust of the eyes dangles things in front of us and says, this is beautiful. And if you have beauty, then you'll be happy. And, and it can take all different types of forms. It can be something as simple as if you surround yourself with friends, that'll, that, that's what will make you happy. It doesn't. 
Well, if you had just one, if you just had one true bestie, one best friend, then you'd be happy. That doesn't do it. If you had money or if you, you know, if you had a girlfriend or a boyfriend or if you were married or, or all of these things. And, if, and notice, I'm not even listing things that are in that category that of like bad stuff. Necessarily. But if we're thinking those things will bring us happiness and joy instead of Christ, we're going to be disappointed. And that disappointment turns to hurt and that disappointment turns to happiness. And that dirt, disappointment fills the suitcase of our soul. It's the truth. The times I've had, you know, friends over and I still feel that way, then all of a sudden it's like this wake-up call and I'm like, oh yeah. Well, Jesus, why am I feeling this way? And I don't know why there's this, this hole in my heart, but I'm feeling it and it's affecting my emotions and it's affecting my thoughts. Lord, would you, would you do a couple of things? Would you do what it is, but would, would you also feel it? Lord, can you help me drag it to the light? Because in some way, I've bought into a lie of, of the desires of the something beautiful that I thought would bring happiness. When guys, it, it's Jesus and Jesus alone that brings contentment and satisfaction and true love. The messages that come at us from the world in this are, you need this. You deserve this. And you cannot be content living without this. I, I think there's some things that are awesome. I think a, a big new pickup truck would be awesome. I think a vacation with my family to Mexico would be awesome. I think doing the Soul Train line with you know, a bunch of friends in Southern California on the beach with the Gap Band there and Tommy's hamburgers waiting for me as soon as I go through the Soul Train line would be awesome. There's lots of things I think would be awesome. They, they're called lies if they're meant to take the place of what only Christ can provide because they just won't satisfy when we think about the world, I'm not just talking about the obvious attacks. Oh, that person's trying to get me to cheat on my wife. Nope, that's, a, that's clearly an attack from the world and Satanist group effort at that point. You know, and, and I'm not even talking about those obvious things. I'm talking about the things like, hey, God must clearly not, not love you because, man, look how he's holding on you. Look what he gave to her. He didn't give that to you. So God must not be good. Yeah, yeah, she's blessed. Her family's blessed. Just took their third vacation of the week, posted it all over social media. How does someone go to, to Italy and then Mexico and then the moon in a week? You just can't do it. But they did. It's all over Facebook. People struggling with the lust of the eyes are most often very aware that God has provided for others but are unaware and unappreciative of what God has done or is doing for them. Does that make sense? People who really struggle with this, the lust of the eyes, they're aware of what God's done in other people's lives. And they are keenly aware, but yet unappreciative and unknowing and unseen of how God's moving in their life. 
This person's vocabulary may contain the words thankfulness and gratitude. They're rarely a consistent characteristic of their daily lifestyle. You've got it. I want it. God's held out on me. So I'm holding out on God. God's held out on me, so I'm going to hold out on Him. He hasn't been good to me, so I'm not going to be good to Him. I thought He would give me this and He didn't, so I'm not giving Him anything. Look at the hole in the garden. Oh, it looks so nice. It looks so pretty. You know, Satan, they're going, look at how beautiful this is. This forbidden fruit. Oh, a serpent can have it. Why can't I? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the third one, the pride of life. And this one's just pretty cut and dry, guys. It's it's selfish. Ambition, plain and simple. Ambition's not bad. Ambition's good. Ambition can really be a good motivator. I'm not talking about ambition. I'm talking about selfish ambition. Ambition out of control. You take a good thing and you let it get out of control. Ambition can help separate the wise man from the fool, but selfish ambition makes fools of us all. In this context, the word selfish qualifies the type of ambition and it's a tactic of our enemy. Let's just make this abundantly clear. Ambition, selfish ambition is self-serving. Selfish ambition is self-centered. So here's what selfish ambition says. Let me just spell this out. It says, I have my plans. I'm going to make sure they happen. I can make sure they happen with or without God's blessing or intervention. Christians controlled by selfish ambition will usually pray after they've already put their plans in motion. Lord, make sure you're good with this. I just want to make sure you're going to bless this. I'm moving forward with it. So, I mean, it's kind of too late already, but, you know, you'll bless me anyway, right? We don't include on our plans. So let me go ahead and make this abundantly clear as well. Gosh, man, I, I, I'm going to be... I, it, here's the good news. Here's the good news. If your toes are kept on today, Jesus is our healer and he heals toes. Okay, if you are dating someone, if you're, if you're young people again, all right, eyes right here. You're dating someone who's not a Christian. That is selfish ambition. You're asking God to bless something you didn't get his approval on beforehand. And God can't bless it. It's called pride of life. It's called selfish ambition. Now let me go ahead and move to the adults. Adults, if you are dating someone who is not a Christian, this is called the pride of life. And you are... You, you're not including God in the approval process. You're asking Him to sanction your behavior. You guys, we don't ask God to sanction our sin. We don't ask God to sanction selfish motives. Man, I really... It is so quiet today. Can we have like some music or something in the background? Elevator music or something? You guys, the real issue here is timing and obedience. Because it usually gets a point when we just no longer trust the Lord's mean, I gave you two years, Lord. I gave you four years, Lord. I gave you 15 years, Lord. Which is so, so generous of us. So generous of us. I give that, Lord. And you haven't done it, so now I'm taking it into my own hands. I'm the boss now. 
If I'm the boss, guess who isn't the boss? Because Jesus isn't going to sit there and, and domineer. That's not what he does. That's not what he does. That's not his nature. He's like, okay, I'm here when, when you're willing to give me the reins again. You guys, if we look at the Genesis 3, we see that Satan utilized all three of these worldly schemes when he tempted Eve to rebel against God. Remember the lust of the flesh made up of that external proposition designed to trigger physiological urges in our body and soul. The lust of the eyes focuses on our desire to obtain beautiful things others have that we want. And the boastful pride deals with selfish ambition. We make our plans first and consult God about them later. Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that's the lust of the flesh, and that it was the light to the eyes, that's the lust of the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, that's the boastful pride of life. She took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. All three of these external attacks coming together in one place. Which, by the way, the devil, he, he likes to tag team. He likes to link arms with, with the attacks from the world. But once again, guys, when we're in full control of turning the station, turning the knob, turning directions, changing the street... The devil ain't got nothing to do with that. I mean, if if you struggle with with alcohol, and every day you drive past the liquor store where you used to stop and and buy liquor, then then man, you got to take a different route. If it's relationships and those people always cause you to stumble and sin, then you got to trust God for new friends. If if you're currently not walking in a place of strength wholeness where that you can be the influencer then you need to walk away and let God bring someone else to be the influencer in that relationship because you're not you're not the savior you're not Jesus you're just a servant of the king but he cares first and foremost about that relationship with you he'll bring someone else so no missionary dating no missionary friendships if you can't be in a place of influence Have you ever noticed what Satan's first line attack was when he approached Eve? Some things don't change much over the thousands of years. Satan attacked Eve's belief that God was good. Satan attacked getting Eve to believe that God wasn't good, that God was holding out on her. The devil simply implied that God was failing to watch out for her. The devil simply implied that God did not care about her best interests and that he didn't care and therefore he wasn't all good. What does he lie to us about? What are some of the things that make it easy for us to be swayed by these desires of the flesh and desires of the eyes? What are the things that make it hard for us to recognize 
these attacks. What are the voices that say, how can you believe God loves you when things that are unfair and just just keep happening to you? If God really loved you and watched out for you, wouldn't he have intervened by now? Don't you understand? Oh, you're so naive. God's not good. You're never going to find a spouse. God has forgotten you. If you don't take things into your own hands, you're going to end up single and lonely. Go ahead and go for it, because if God doesn't like it, he'll stop you. So go for it. Just You go ahead and do it, and if God's not in it, he'll let you know. That's like one of like that's a lie. How about this? Maybe you're not really a Christian. Because if you're a Christian, wouldn't you make more money? Wouldn't you be happier? Wouldn't you have less attacks? Wouldn't you have a better job? If God really loved you, he'd get you a better job. So here's the thing. We've identified the enemy. We've identified the attacks. But Scripture also gives us the solution to walk victorious. And some of you aren't going to like this solution because it's not spiritual enough for you. First John 2.17 says, And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God will abide forever. God wants us to evaluate the fairness of this trade. He wants us to, to weigh the value and say, is this worth the cost? Okay, I could have, you know, this moment of fun or this season of fun. But what does, what's it, how does it affect my relationship with God, my relationship with family, my relationship with others. Or for people who don't know Jesus, they're like, hey, you know, live, live hard and, and die young. So you're going you're gonna to have a short life and then surrender eternity? Is that a fair trade? Is that a fair trade? You know, the, the attack uh, against, you know, immorality. You know, husband, you know, cheat on your wife. You know, that, that other woman, she, she appreciates you. Your wife doesn't, or husband, or, or wives, you know. Cheat on, cheat on your husband. It's, you, 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 you deserve to be loved, and your husband doesn't show you proper affection. So the devil and the world and songs and music and movies and all of it come against to say, have 10 minutes of pleasure, but throw away... 20 years of marriage. Have two weeks of thrilling fun. But throw away your family and your good name and your reputation. You look at things and say, this isn't a fair trade. And I promise you, the things that the enemy offers are never a fair trade. And the things that the world offers, it's never a fair trade. But we've got to know what the Word of God says. We've got to know what the promise of God are. So in our evaluation process... We've got to use this brain that God has given us. Sometimes we try and we try and spiritualize everything. Not every enemy is the devil. Sometimes it's the world. Sometimes it's the flesh. And sometimes 
it's not a matter of you can the enemy sometimes god wants us to use our brain i know a lot of people that don't like the definition of repentance because it doesn't sound spiritual enough to rethink to change our minds meta and noia change your mind just like para and noia is outside of your mind God has given us a mind. So evaluate it. Sit there and distance yourself and say, is it worth the cost? Discern the lie of the enemy called the world by giving thought to this with the mind of Christ. And once again, guys, to have the mind of Christ, we can't be in... I always refer to this as like the darkness. Maybe next week this will like be the darkness, but probably not. This will, this will still be the light. When we're in that dark place, it's really hard to have the mind of Christ. We got to come into the light, and I was like, "Oh, that makes much more sense. Oh, that is much more clear." I'm going to turn that music off. It's, it's just wrecking my soul right now. It's just making me depressed and heavy and anxious. I'm going to turn it off. But I really do want to hear some music, so I'm going to turn on something that uplifts the name of Jesus, that speaks hope. When faced with an attack like this, we stop to think to think it through, but we think it through biblically. I really do think a lot of these battles right here with the with the with the flesh, or I'm sorry, with the world, where it's the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eyes, and this is where it's won and lost right here. What do we allow our mind to dwell on? What do we allow? that control center of who we are to dwell on, we allow it to take root? Or what do we immediately expel and say, nope, nope, nope? I've said nope out loud before. No, 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 no. I have. I'm like, oh, that caught me by surprise. No, no. I love people. You know I'm a people person. I love people. But when it comes to the context of our enemy of the world, I hate the world. I hate the lies. I hate... I hate... It it always tells me I'm not enough. When Jesus tells me I am enough, Jesus says in in Christ Jesus, you are more than a conqueror. You're not just a conqueror, my, my boy. You are more than a conqueror. I hate that the world tells me I don't make enough. I hate that the world tells me I don't look a certain way. And I hate that the world tells me that my that my 2004 Ford Expedition isn't enough. It gets me from point A to B most of the time. It's... Romans 2 and 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to the world. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't be in agreement with this world. Don't be molded by this world. Don't start looking like this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern. By testing, you discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That that by testing it, where do we test it? Right here, guys. Lord, is this you? Okay, you. Lord, what's, what's the purpose of this attack? Oh, it's meant to, to bring heaviness and depression. Lord, what do you have in exchange? Lord, I call upon your name. Lord, would you fill me with joy?
We've got to ask God what His thoughts are in the matter. We've got to open the Word of God to see what His thoughts are in the matter because a lot of times He's already told us His thoughts that's found contained within Scripture. We just have to to grab a hold of it and agree with it. The world is an enemy. Young people, you feel like you've been targeted today. You know, do you guys know why you feel that way? Because that's what I've done. I've totally done that. The world is such a liar. If we can just close our eyes. Here's what I'm asking you guys to do. Let's just close our eyes, young people. I want you guys to just listen listen for what the Lord might be speaking right now. Lord, we're just going to ask you, what are, what are some of the ways that we have lost more than we've won against our enemy, the world? Against that, that established rebellion against you. Lord, what do you want us to bring into the light? Would you, would you tell us now, Lord? What music or what books what movies or what relationships, what habits or patterns, what habits of thought. Lord, you're asking us to drag into the light so that we can have your freedom, so that we can actually have a good trade, a good exchange. Your goodness, your peace, your love, your kindness, your gentleness, your self-control. Your peace, your peace, your peace, your peace. If the Lord's speaking things to you, those things that he's speaking, either write them down in your journal or, or just continue the dialogue with him right now. But if he's, if he's highlighting things, then he's asking you to bring those things into his glorious light. Father, I ask that you would just continue to speak throughout the day. Holy Spirit, would you please continue to bring revelation of those things that are in our lives that are heavy and that have occupied part of the suitcase of our soul because we've lost battles with the world. We've been defeated by some of these attacks and we've bought into some of those lies. Lord, would you just reveal them? We trust you. We trust you with revealing them. In Jesus' name, amen.